Good morning. Welcome to the table. Thanks for joining us on Pentecost Sunday. I'm Father Spencer. I'm one of the co-rectors here at the table. We're just so thrilled to be here with you guys in person. Um, excited to clarify with you afterwards if you meant to say you have, <laughs> you make no apologies or if you make no excuses, but I, I appreciate the uh, Pentecostal energy on Pentecost Sunday. Very appropriate. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, today we proclaim the good news that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God has equipped you to participate in the coming of his kingdom, not as culture warriors, but as midwives attending to new creation that's being birthed all around us. We are empowered not to be great, but to groan alongside our brothers and our sisters in all of creation as we faithfully bear witness to the coming of Christ's kingdom. Last week, I shared in my pastoral reflection that it was just one of those weeks where you just get hit by bad news after bad news after bad news. The week started off with me finding out that uh, someone that I knew, really more of a friend of a friend of mine, had passed away rather unexpectedly. Um, and because of COVID, I had, actually hadn't seen him in a little over a year and a half, but he had been battling alcoholism and passed away. He was in his mid-40s. Later that day, I was sitting with someone who was recounting a story of familial disconnection and wounding and wondering about open abuse. And it was all very veiled and mysterious. He didn't have access to a lot of it. There's no clear path forward. He uh, wasn't even sure exactly what had happened, but there wasn't an instant imagination for reconciliation. So it just was a weight that he feels that he may have to bury or bear for the rest of his life. Later that evening, I found out about a friend of mine who had just moved from California to Oklahoma. And within the first two days of being there, all of his tools of his trade that he had taken with him, which is thousands of dollars worth of equipment, had been stolen from their storage locker. It was just one of those weeks where you feel like everybody that you know is on their knees, kind of getting beaten down by life and begging for mercy. And life's just kicking them while they're already down. Friends that are going to see doctors and getting negative reports. Yesterday, my family came together. My, my grandfather passed away from COVID uh, back in January. And my family all gathered at his house with my grandmother yesterday to start going through his things. He was 87. He had lots of stuff. He had been a woodworker. And so so many tools, so many different saws and different gadgets that he had come up with. And the, the garage was like piled high. It was a miracle that even one car could fit in there. And so we were just going through all of his stuff and finding these things that only he would have, you know, the way that he was using. I, I've never seen so many chip clips in my life used for so many weird things. So there was this like sweet, intimate moment, but also a very sad space of him not being there. And also like, we need to clean out the garage for grandma, but this stuff's not going to be here anymore. And I was just uh, recognizing the sadness that I was feeling and reflecting that to some of my family. And the instant reaction that I got, which was very in line with my, my own Pentecostal upbringing of the church that I was raised in, was, oh, don't be sad. There's no room for sadness. I mean, just think about how happy he is in heaven with God. And I was like, okay, but that's not helping me. I'm, I'm sad right now. And so I found that in these moments, the way that we respond, this is how, what defines our faith, our Christianity, what there's space for, what there's not space for. And I find that some of us 
potentially have been told that there's not space for parts of the human experience that are vital for life. Sadness, doubt, confusion, pain, fear. In our passage today in John, Jesus says it's better that he leaves so that the Holy Spirit can come and be with us. But is it really, though? Sometimes it's hard for me to see the direct connection between the birth of the church at Pentecost and then life for us today. The Holy Spirit arrived on the scene with a huge splash. A sound rang out from heaven. Flames alighted each person that was present amongst them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in different languages. Everyone from all around different places heard them speaking in their own language so that they could understand them. It was a beautiful miracle. But meanwhile, I was going through, as I was preparing this sermon, I was going through a week where it just seemed like life was kicking the mess out of everybody that I knew. Sometimes I feel like Pentecost happened and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. But friends, today I proclaim the good news that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God has equipped his church to participate in the coming of his kingdom. Not as culture warriors, but as midwives attending to the new creation being birthed all around us. We're empowered not to be great, but to groan alongside our, our brothers and our sisters, our neighbors and our friends and all of creation as we faithfully bear witness to God's kingdom breaking forth in our midst. If Jesus said that it's better that he goes and I can't seem to understand what he means, then what am I missing? Where's the disconnect for me? Just after saying this, Jesus goes on to say, I have much more to say to you, but you won't understand right now. However, when the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit will take what is mine and he will give it to you. He'll make it yours. So Jesus has more to say, but he said it would be lost on the disciples. It would be lost on us without the power of the Holy Spirit. This is all very mysterious. If you pair this mystery with the power that's revealed on Pentecost, it's very easy to start coming to conclusions about what Jesus was getting at. One might assume that without the Holy Spirit, you won't understand. But once you do have the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to transcend this life. You'll be able to overcome and overpower anything that's in your way. And you may even be able to do magic from time to time. But let's take a look at our Romans passage. This is a, a bit of a jump forward in time. This is after Pentecost, after the church has received the Holy Spirit. And so we get a picture of what life with the Holy Spirit looks like for the early church. Romans 8, starting with verse 22, says, We know that the whole of creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, while we wait for the redemption of our bodies. So here in Romans, we hear that things are still not as they should be, even after we've received the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's arrival didn't mean that the early church could magically float above all of the ugliness and difficulties and pain of real life. The Holy Spirit didn't alleviate the church's groaning. Picking it back up in verse 24. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought to, but that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. 
And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the things that this Christian hope, the things that we as Christians believe in and hope for, they still have not come to pass. Creation has not been set right, but the Spirit is equipping us today to wait with patience. And the Spirit is equipping us to to pray with groans that are too deep for words, with sighs that are too deep for words. So I don't know if any of you guys have experience in the Pentecostal church. There are people here that pray in tongues, potentially. That's one of the beautiful things about the Anglican church is there's plenty of space here for you to be a charismatic Anglican. And I love that we can all come together. But growing up in the charismatic tradition that I grew up in, there was, I can't tell you how many times we would go to like summer camp. And because the sign of receiving the Holy Spirit was that you would be able to speak in tongues, people would just be praying on end until they started speaking in tongues for this like elusive thing that even when you listen to a really well done theological teaching on tongues, we don't really understand exactly what's going on with it. But people are begging for this prayer language. And I think that it occurred to me as I was studying this passage and preparing to preach that these groans are part of that prayer language. That's part of what it means to have a spirit language, to pray with the Holy Spirit is these sighs that are too deep for words, to join in the groaning of all of creation amidst the mess of life. In Romans, we see a church that has been equipped by the Holy Spirit to be present to real life, the day-to-day life. They're present, they're able to join with their friends and their family in the groaning around them. They're empowered to be an incarnate people, just like we're empowered to be an incarnate people. When we look at the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus's life, it lines up with what we see in the early church, but somehow we get these assumptions about it almost becoming like a a super agent serum. If you've seen Captain uh, America, you know, this is like a powerful level up for us where now we're going to be able to overcome any political system. We are going to set things right through the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we look at the model of Christ, we see that it was a cruciform power that he had, that he lived out in his life. We see this in our Romans passage in the early church as well. There's great power that comes with the Holy Spirit, but it's a great power to be present to all of the human experience to all of real life, to all the aspects of humanity. Great joy, overwhelming sadness, fear, confusion. Understood in this light, Pentecost is framed a little bit differently. The Holy Spirit's coming is not a parlor trick. It's not a a magical power-up for the church, but it is the first fruits of new creation being born in our midst. It's the undoing, it's the reversal of Babel. God isn't erasing differences. But in the midst of differences, he is reconnecting broken relationships and enmity, and he's healing those wounds so that people can have understanding, so that peace can be made. Church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God has equipped you today to participate in the coming of his kingdom, not as culture warriors, not by powering up, but as midwives who faithfully attend to the new creation that's being birthed right now in our midst. We are empowered not to be great, but to join in the groaning of creation and to bear witness to Christ's coming kingdom. God is speaking to us today that we can be faithfully present to the brokenness and the sadness in the world all around us. Not because we can look at it and call something that's sad or painful happy, but because we can look at it, see it for what it is, 
and then through the power of the Holy Spirit, be equipped to be present to that pain, to that, str- that suffering, that struggle, without being overcome by grief. The Holy Spirit is equipping us to continue to hope for things that we continue not to see. I thought it would be better by now. I thought that society was advancing further, that year by year we were becoming more holy, that our, our culture was becoming more redeemed. But I'm not seeing that around me. How do we maintain this hope? How do we continue to be faithfully present and still hopeful while being present to reality? God is taking all of creation into himself, and he's transfiguring it. Babel is being undone at Pentecost, and he's going to continue with this transfiguration. Swords will be beaten into plowshares. Bombs and rockets will cease to fly. Broken hearts will be mended. Bodies will be healed, and the dead will rise. The kingdom of heaven is being birthed all around us today. And filled with the Holy Spirit, we can groan with the rest of creation and know that the Holy Spirit is interceding for, for us. You don't have to initiate or imitate things being all right when they're not. You don't have to manage or manufacture healing or resurrection when you see none around you. But like a midwife, you can see the signs and the pain of active labor while also knowing the end result that is coming. Something new is being born in the midst of this pain and this suffering. God is at work. He's not far off. He hasn't forgotten his creation. He hasn't forgotten you. He's present with you, and something is being born. It's breaking into your life. It's breaking into your family, to the city, into all of creation. What is it that God is calling you to be present to today? that he's empowering you to be present to? Is it your own pain or grief? Something that you've been resistant to look at or to face? Or do you know someone who's experiencing great loss or great pain? They're in a season of struggle. It's just hard to have conversations with them. It'd be much easier just to joke around or watch a basketball game. Maybe God is calling you to just groan alongside them. Do you know people who just can't seem to break through and understand each other? They just, no matter what they do, they seem to be missing each other. Maybe God is calling you to participate in the reversing of Babel in real time. Church, you have everything you need to be present to this life as we await Christ's coming kingdom. You have everything you need to bear witness to the inbreaking of this kingdom, to this birth of new creation. You are not at a disadvantage to have not lived when Christ was walking the earth because God's spirit is with you. We can be faithfully present as the body of Christ and extend Christ's presence and groan in these labor pains with all of creation. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God has equipped you to participate in the coming of his kingdom, not to power up as culture warriors or to strategize, but as midwives to read the signs and attend to the new creation that is currently being birthed in the midst of all this pain and suffering and struggle. The church is empowered not to be great, but to groan alongside our brothers and sisters who are suffering and to groan alongside all of creation as we faithfully bear witness to the coming new creation all around us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.